It was quite the Sunday this past Sunday in the world of Big East women's basketball. You had three conference games. You had your fair share of, you had a high-scoring shootout. You had a top three team going down on the road and getting blown out in the fourth quarter. And you had a team that went on the road and proved that they can legitimately legitimately be a top four team in the league. And then a non-conference action, a top 10 matchup at the Basketball Hall of Fame Showcase. And another team picked towards the bottom of the of the conference finishes out their non-conference schedule with a pretty big win. Well, not in the sense that they beat a great opponent, but finishing on a high note was of the utmost importance. I'll cover that. And, of course, look ahead to the slate of games coming up before the Christmas break here on this brand new episode of the Igloo for this final episode before the holidays. Yeah, so Sunday was an interesting day in the Big East. And it started with Seton Hall hosting Marquette at noon uh, with the dynamic duo of John Fanson and Kim Adams calling the game. And it was really an even affair through three quarters. You know, Seton Hall had played well the last couple of times against Marquette at Walsh Gym. And at halftime, the Pirates led by one. It was 31-30, to and it was a three-point game after three. But Seton Hall's defense really put the clamps down on Marquette in the fourth quarter. And after Chris McLaughlin tied it on a three for the first points of the quarter with 9.24 remaining in the quarter, Seton Hall went on a big run. How big? How about a 16 nothing run? To pull away and win this one 69-57. Although Marquette did score six of the final eight points. Again, that big 16-0 run propels the Pirates to the victory. For their first conference win after starting 0-2. And for Marquette, that was their first conference loss. Leading the way for the Pirates. Lauren Park Lane, as expected. Played all 40 minutes. 25 points, 8 assists, made a career-high 6 three-pointers, and only on 8 attempts, finished 9 for 20 from the floor. And, you know, she was making some bombs from out there. Andre Espinosa Hunter, 0 for 3 from 3, but from the field was 8 for 16 to go with, to finish with 16 points, 7 boards, and 4 assists. Sydney Cooks, was solid as well. 12 points, 6 boards, 6 of 12 from the field. And then, again, this is a shorthanded Seton Hall team. Maya Jackson is still out with an eye injury. And how about the play off the bench? Amari Wright with 5 points. Played 28 minutes. 6 rebounds, 3 assists. Made her only 3-point attempt and, and was 2 for 3 from the floor. So Wright was the only player outside of LPL to hit a three in this game. The rest of the team, outside of Lauren Park Lane and Wright, went 0 for 8. 
But still, 7 for 17 from 3, 41% is a very good clip. And they were 49% from the field. Now, Maya Bembry, although she fouled out 4.7 boards on 2 of 3 shooting, they also got 4 from a player that really hadn't seen the floor much, Curtisia uh, Dean, who got 4 points on 2 of 4 shooting, and they got a, also got a bucket from Kayla Harris. As for Marquette, it was Chris McLaughlin who led the way. You know, she was a sniper at Purdue. And she sniped in this game for Marquette. 6 of 10 from 3. 9 for 17 from the field. Finished with a game-high 26 points. And then she really didn't get much help outside of that. Lisa Carlin was the only other Golden Eagle in double figures. And she got a double-double. 11 points, 10 rebounds. For the freshman. Meanwhile, eight points for Jordan King, five from Lauren Van Clunen, and only two points from Chloe Murata. And Murata was just one for ten from the floor. And Van Clunen was two for eight. And then only one player scored off the bench for the Golden Eagles, Golden Eagles, and that was Danielle Middleton, who scored five points in fifteen minutes. So what a way for the Pirates to bounce back. By not only beating Marquette, but beating them by double digits with that big fourth quarter run. Meanwhile, across the way into Queens, St. John's hosting DePaul. Man, what an offensive display this was. St. John's led at the half by two. It was 54-52, but DePaul's offense proves to be too much. I mean, they were pretty impressive in the first half, but the second half, they brought it even more. Scoring 55 in the second half to win this one, and I kid you not, 107 to 93. Monster performances from a trio of Blue Demons Sonia Morris, Anissa Morrow, and Lexi Held. Morris with 35. 16 for 29 from the field, 2 for 4 from 3. And Anissa Morrow, who ended up getting Big East freshman. And Player of the Week honors finished with 29 points, 14 rebounds on 10 of 17 shooting. And then for Lexi Held, 21 points, 7 for 11 from the floor, 5 for 7 from 3, 4 boards and 6 assists. And then they got 10 from Deja Church and 9 from Darion Rogers. And for Rogers, 8 boards and 7 assists. And for Church, 6 boards, 4 assists. And they really didn't need the bench in this game. Purcell and Holmes each played nine minutes. And that was the most anyone played because Caitlin Ammons only got to play one minute in this game. And Kiki River played less than a minute. DePaul, 51% from the floor and even 50% from three as they were 11 for 22. St. John's, they played well. You know, they shot just under 51% from the floor, but from three-point range, eight for 23, I think was what did them in. But leading the way for the Red Storm, career day for Leilani Correa. She, like Morris, had 35 points, 8 boards, 3 assists, 4 for 8 from 3, and 13 for 19 from the field. Danielle Cosgrove with 13 points on 5 of 11 shooting and 2 for 5 from 3. Off the bench leading the way, 
Unique Drake, 16 points, 7 for 14 from the floor. Camry Clegg with 9 points. Kadeja Bailey with 7. 8 points, 8 rebounds from Danielle Patterson, but really struggled shooting the ball at 3 for 10. And then Emma Nolan off the bench, 5 points on 2 of 4 shooting. So the Blue Demons, they're now 3-0 in conference. St. John's falls to 1-1 one one with that defeat. And the Blue Demons are now 11-2 ahead of a big game coming up Wednesday, which I'll touch on in just a second. Creighton stayed unbeaten in conference play as they beat Providence soundly at Alumni Hall, 71-56. And it was a big first quarter that really, you know, set the tone for the Blue Jays, outscoring Providence 28-11. And they led 44-36 of the break, and they pull away in the second half to win by 15. Lauren Jensen led the way, 19 points, 8 of 17 shooting, 3 for 8 from 3. You know, she has been very impressive over the past few games. Carly Batchelor was really solid in this game, too. 15 points, 10 rebounds on 6 of 9 shooting, and 1 for 2 from 3. Jensen, by the way, was 3 for 8 from distance. And then they got some pretty big contributions off the bench. Morgan Maley with 11 points, 3 for 8 from 3, 3 for 12 from the floor. And then Rachel Saunders with 10 points on 4 of 6 shooting and 1 for 2 from 3. So they overcame some slow games from Tatum Rembaugh and Emma Ronziak. Rembaugh, just three points and five assists. Ronziak had about foul trouble, limited to just 22 minutes, six points, three assists, two for ten from the floor, and one for four from three. And then other notable bench contributions. Peyton Brodsky was scoreless in this game, by the way, as a starter, and then Molly Mogensen with four points, and then they got a three late from Jamie Horan. As for Providence, Mary Baskerville came back in this game. Off the bench, played 13 minutes, scored 13 points, and was five for nine from the field. Olivia Olsen scored 12, also off the bench. The leading scorer amongst the starters was Janai Crooms, who scored 11 points, Grabbed 14 rebounds, but was just 4 for 13 from the floor. Also worth noting off the bench, Kylie Shepard, the freshman, with 8 points on 3 of 5 shooting and 2 for 3 from 3. And so Alyssa Geary, who had been the leading scorer for Providence coming into this game, She was limited to just four points on on two of seven shooting, although she did grab nine rebounds. But for Creighton, a big win. They're now seven and three overall, three and zero in the conference with that win. Shifting gears to non-conference action, Xavier hosting Southeast Missouri State. It was even after the first and second quarters at twenty-five apiece, but Southeast Missouri State led by. Eight points after three, as it was 48 to 40. But Xavier really boomed offensively in the fourth quarter, and they rallied to win 65 to 58, outscoring Southeast Missouri State 25 to 10 in the fourth. Ayanna Townsend led the way 18 points, 15 rebounds on 7 of 13 from the field. 
Kay Satterfield got a double-double for herself, 17 points, 12 rebounds on 6 of 11 shooting. 16 points from Nia Clark, 10 from Shyla Beeler. And it was really those four leading the way as they only got four other points. You know, they got three from Anaya Harris and just one point from Courtney Prenger. And, you know, they didn't get anything out of Michaela Scarlett, who had been their best bench producer, but nothing from her in this game. And they won despite that. I mean, two for nine from three. Again, this is going to be a theme. You know, Xavier shooting very few threes, and because of that, not making many of them. But luckily for them, Southeast Missouri State was even worse shooting the three ball, three for 16, which was under 20%. Leading the way for SEMO, as you know, the, um, as the, you know, the abbreviation shows, Shamaria Christopher led the way with 15 points, only played 19 minutes. They got 11 off the bench from Taylor Pruitt, 9 from Rochelle Scott, 8 from Corey Tomlin, and then 7 from Hallie Smith. So a big win for Xavier to finish out their non-conference schedule as they improve their overall record to 5-6. and six. So, finally, 7th-ranked UConn taking on number 6 Louisville in the Basketball Hall of Fame Showcase. UConn got off to a good start, leading 16-9 after the first, and they led 28-25 at the half. You know, Louisville went on a big run to start the third, but UConn was able to get the lead back after three, leading 45-42. But Louisville just proved to be too much. And again, UConn being shorthanded without Paige Beckers and without Mule and Fudd. It caught up to them as Louisville, not being as winded, would rally to win this one 69-64. And leading the way for the Cardinals, 16 each from Haley Van Liff. And Kiana Smith, who also each had four rewards and three assists. Van Lith was perfect from three at two for two. Smith one for four. As a team, Louisville was over 50% from deep. Eight for 15 compared to UConn, who was just three for 15. So that's the first time that Gina Wariema has lost at Mohegan Sun Arena. Also worth noting, a lot of Smith off the bench, scored 11 points in 19 minutes, 3 for 5 from the floor, and 3 for 4 from 3. They got 8 off the bench also from Olivia Cochran. Back to the starters, 9 for Emily Engsler, and 4 from Liz Dixon. As for UConn, breakout game for Caroline Ducharme. 24 points, which is easily a career high. 10 for 20 from the floor. 3 for 9 from 3. She was the only Husky to make a 3 in this game. The rest of the team was 0 for 6. Dorka Juhas. 15 points. 8 boards on 6 of 13 shooting. 10 from Kristen Williams on 4 of 11 shooting. 
Avina Westbrook, rough game for her. Six points on three of 12 shooting, 0 for 5 from three. And then Olivia Nelson Adota, five points, five boards, four assists. And did bow foul trouble as she racked up three in this game. And then, really, they only played six in this game. As the only real bench asset that Geno used was Aaliyah Edwards, who scored four points in 16 minutes. And then the only other player they played, Amari DeBerry, only played three minutes. So UConn falls to 6-3, and three, and for the first time, I believe in, it was at least 15 years, first time the UConn is now out of the top 10. As as the new rankings have Louisville have uh, excuse me UConn just outside the top ten at number eleven. So that's a big deal in women's basketball, and. Listen, I know they're without Paige Beckers. I get it. But, I mean, the, the AP voters, they got to call it like they see it. And, you know, a 6-3 and three UConn team at number 11, granted, their three losses. I mean, Georgia Tech is still a good, respectable team. South Carolina is the best team in the country, bar none. And Louisville is also very good. I mean, they, were, they weren't ranked 6th in the country for nothing. And now they're number 3 after that win over UConn. Which, to me, I don't think that makes much sense. But given how other teams did over the past you know, over the past week, I get it. So, let's shift gears to non-conference action happening Tuesday and Wednesday. Some early ones. 12 noon at Walsh Gym, Seton Hall hosting Wagner. The Seahawks are 7-2 and, you know, on Saturday, you know, they just lost... Their, you know, their first game since opening night. Well, not since opening night. Uh, since the second game of the season. So Wagner's now seven and two. I mean, so their most recent loss came at Rutgers on Saturday. Now they visit Seton Hall Tuesday, and with the Seton Hall team, and I'm sure Tony Bazella will even say it too. You know, how they played Sunday was tremendous. However, they have showed inconsistencies. You know, no, you know, struggling against Fordham and getting beat by, you know, 19 points in that game. Struggling against USC. Losing at St. John's, but in the same vein, winning at Princeton and then losing at home to UCF and then beating Marquette pretty soundly in the fourth quarter. Maybe this might be the time that Seed Hall finds that consistency before the holiday break. And I think they will. Because Wagner beat St. John's, but Seed Hall is a better team than Wagner. I, I, St. John's, excuse me. That's what I think. And Wagner played that game at home. They're playing this game in Walsh. So I'm going to take Seed Hall winning a close one. In a Big Five game at 1 o'clock... Villanova visits LaSalle. LaSalle is the better record at 7-4, but Villanova, I mean, how about this? They haven't played in little over a week. The last time they did play, they upset a ranked Oregon State squad. 
And Villanova, you know, the last two games, bringing back Matty Segrist, they've looked really good. So, you know, I know LaSalle is the better record, but I'm going to take Villanova winning this road game. Now, over on SEC Network Plus, ESPN Plus, 2 o'clock Eastern, Arkansas hosts Creighton. The funny thing is for Creighton, if I'm not mistaken, that win over Providence was their first road win of the entire season. This Arkansas team is 10-2. Their only losses came at UConn, who was at full strength, and at UCF by a point. Creighton will put up a fight, but in Fayetteville, I'm going to take the Razorbacks winning this one. And then on Wednesday, a couple matinee games. Evansville at Butler. The Aces are 6-3 on the year. Coming off back-to-back wins in their most recent game against Chicago State got canceled. I mean, Butler's 0-10. Evansville, I think, is the better team. Or at least it's apparent that they're the better team. I'm expecting Evansville to go on and win this one. But, I mean, this is Butler's last non-conference game. I think they really got to find a way to win this one if they, you know, want to at least carry some momentum going into the Christmas break. And then, you know, when they come back, you know, they got to go to Cincinnati to play Xavier. Like, you need a little bit, you need a boost. You need to have some confidence going into that game because Xavier's the closest team to Butler in terms of, you know, where they rank. Butler's clearly the worst team in the league, and Xavier is right above them, although there is quite a bit of a gap between the two teams in my eyes. So I think Butler got to find a way to win this one, but I think in the end, Evansville will be too much. Give me the aces winning at Hinkle. Now, Marquette hosting Cincinnati. I mean, Marquette, they didn't have it in the fourth quarter against Seton Hall. And I guarantee Coach Duffy told them that and, you know, has been working them hard in practice the last, at least yesterday, and she will again today ahead of their game against Cincinnati. I'm expecting the Golden Eagles to win this one and bounce back with a good win. But the biggest game of all, 20th-ranked Notre Dame, At DePaul, Notre Dame with only two losses on the year, one of which came at UConn, the other one coming against Georgia in overtime Thanksgiving weekend. This DePaul team is on a roll, and they're really starting to come into their own, which included that big win at Kentucky. Obviously, Notre Dame is a good team, but some tells me, you know, DePaul at Wintrust, they're going to bring in a good crowd against a longtime rival and a pretty close rival proximity-wise because South Bend isn't really that far from Chicago. Notre Dame fans will travel well for this one, but I think DePaul will defend their home court at Wintrust and beat the Fighting Irish. 
and pull off their second consecutive win over a ranked opponent. So, with that, that does it for this episode of the Igloo. So, I'll be taking a break for the holidays. Because, you know, there's not going to be any action going on. You know, between Christmas Eve and then Christmas Day and, of course, the day after. uh, There's going to be nothing going on. So, yeah. However, so I will be coming back most likely that return date will be on Monday the 27th. It will it will be a men's episode because there will be games Tuesday and Wednesday coming up. And, you know, there's some good games coming up on that slate. UConn's going to visit Xavier. you got the Big East title game rematch between Georgetown and Creighton. Then arguably the biggest game, Seed Hall is at Providence. And both of those teams will be ranked coming into that matchup because now, you know, because of the fact that, I mean, y'all heard the men's episode yesterday. But today... As we now know, Georgetown has now been affected by COVID. And because of the rules that are still in place, because of the Big East, which I'm hoping, as you heard in the icebreaker, will be adjusted and modified. Georgetown now has to forfeit to Providence. I mean, it's it's not like Georgetown was going to beat Providence anyway, but it is what it is. But in all likelihood... That matchup between Seton Hall and Providence will be a matchup between ranked opponents. And you know what? I think that I think that warrants you know a, a preview for this game. Although I, I probably should have had a Xavier Villanova preview ahead of tonight's game. But eh, what are you gonna do? I'll survive. But you I mean Seton Hall Providence, I mean they're playing this at the dunk. And you know what? I think that warrants a preview. And I made a promise to someone that I would get them on the igloo. I know you're going to be listening out there, mystery person whose name I shall not reveal. But based on what I promised them, and based on the magnitude of the matchup now, you know what? I think he's going to be my next guest on the igloo. So you're going to have to tune in after the holidays on Monday to find out who that is. So, until then, this is Timmy I signing off from the Igloo. Thank you for tuning in. Enjoy your holiday. Enjoy your Christmas if that's what you are celebrating. But if not, just continue to enjoy the rest of the holiday season. And I will be back after that uh, to bring you more content on the Igloo. And now it's going to be limited down to just, you know, two episodes a week, not four, because now from here on out, with the exception of a a handful of non-conference games here and there, not all at one time, but, you know, you get them sporadically, nothing but conference action from here on out. So that warrants bringing everything down to two episodes 
a week, and that will again start on Monday. So until next time, again, it's Timmy I sounding off from the igloo. Happy holidays, and I'll catch you all next time.